kitchen, where the first can, now empty, waited. Mooney would take them. No point in making the arson obvious, though the police would probably figure it out soon enough. A driving rain beat against the kitchen windows. Ideally, Mooney would have preferred to trail the gas out into the yard and to touch it off from a distance. With the rain, though, that would be difficult. The rain would wash the gas away as quickly as it was poured, so it would have to be kept inside. A small risk. The fumes boiled unseen around the killer's ankles, flowing into every nook and cranny. At the kitchen door, Mooney splashed out a final pool of gas, stopped and looked into the house. The place was huge, expensive, and a wreck. The old man's housekeeper came in twice a week, did some dishes, washed some clothes, but she didn't do carpentry, wiring, or plumbing, and the house needed all of it, along with a wide-spectrum exterminator. There were bugs in the basement and bats in the belfry, the killer thought. And then, giggling now, a nut in the kitchen. The old man cried a last time, faintly audible against the sound of the rain and wind. Please, God help me. Good to know he was still alive. The old man would get the full experience. Mooney stepped through the kitchen door onto the back porch, took out a book of matches, scratched one, used that to set off the entire book. The book cover caught, and Mooney played with it, enjoying the liquid flow of the flame, getting it right, then threw the book toward the pool of gas in the kitchen, turned, and ran out into the rain. The fire popped to the top of the pool of gasoline, flickered across it, snaked one way into the living room, under the shambles of the once grand piano, and the other way, like a living thing, down the stairs into the basement. The fumes in the basement were not quite thick enough for a real explosion. The old man, surrounded by bags of wood shavings, heard a whoomp and felt the sudden searing heat of a blowtorch that burned away all feeling in an instant and killed in the next. That was all for him. Coming up on midnight... The rain was pounding down from a wedge of thunderstorms, and Virgil Flowers was running west on I-90, trying to hold the truck against the angling wind. He'd been due in Bluestem before the courthouse closed, but he'd had a deposition with a defense attorney in Mankato. The attorney, a month out of law school with his first criminal case, had left no stone unturned and no verb unconjugated. Not that Virgil blamed him. The guy was trying to do right by his client. Yes, the gun had been found in that dumpster. The dumpster had not been hauled before Wednesday, May 30th, even though it was normally dumped on Tuesday, but everything had been pushed back by Memorial Day. The pizza guy had seen the defendant on the 29th and not the 28th, because the pizza parlor, as patriotic as any Italian food outlet anywhere, had been closed on Memorial Day, and the pizza guy hadn't been working. Three hours of it. Blah, blah, blah. By the time he got out of the lawyer's office, it was five o'clock, too late to get to Blue Stem while the courthouse was open. Walking along with Lanny McCoy, the prosecutor in the case, they decided that the wise course would be to get sandwiches and beer at Cat's Cradle, the downtown bar. They did that, and some cops showed up, and that all turned into an enjoyable nachos, cheeseburger, and beer snack. One of the cops was very good-looking, and at one juncture had rested her hand on Virgil's thigh perfect, if her wedding ring hadn't shown up so well in the bar light.
a sad country song. He left the cradle at 6.30, went home, dumped a load of laundry in the washing machine. With the washer rattling in the background, he sat on a rocking chair in his bedroom and finished sewing a torn seam on a photography vest, sat in a cone of light from his bedside reading lamp, sewing, and wondering about the married cop who'd come onto him, thinking a bit about loyalty and its implications, and the trouble it could bring you. Feeling a little lonely, he liked women, and it had been some time since the last one. When he finished with the vest, he hung it in his gear closet, guns, bows, fishing and photography equipment, took a shotgun and two boxes of shells out of his gun safe, laid them beside an empty duffel bag. He half-filled the duffel bag with underwear, socks, and T-shirts, three pairs of jeans. Still waiting for the washer to quit, he went out on the Internet, looking for a letter from a...